in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, you know this passage well, when the angel appears to the shepherds, uh, what does the angel say to the shepherds? Behold, don't be afraid, I bring you what? Good news, good tidings, good news of great joy. The angel's proclamation to the shepherds, which continues through the, to this day, is there's a baby born. He is Christ the Lord. God in human flesh, fully God, fully man, has come to this earth, and that is good news. That is what the word gospel means. And so we're going to look at various aspects of the gospel through these next four weeks. So I want to look at Mark chapter 1, um, really verses 1 through 15. I will try and get some of the passages on the screen. Um, how are we doing? Could, did you get it? It did this. Don't worry about it. We'll fix it somehow later. <laughs> All right, here we go. Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Hey, by the way, I, I love the book of Mark. Um, uh, Dave Malik is like the world expert as far as I'm concerned on the book of Mark. Uh, and so we talk about the book of Mark uh, a lot while we're running. So if you're ever bored to death or want to be more bored to death, come run with me and Dave. And we'll talk about the book of Mark or some other theological uh, position. Poor Cheryl put up with it for years. She'd want to talk about people. We want to talk about the Bible because we're spiritual like that and she cares about people. <laughs> Um, Mark chapter 1, and notice how Mark begins. No genealogy, no intro, just boom, right out of the gate. He's into the action. And here's what he says. Mark 1, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, and then he's going to quote from the Old Testament, which is going to read. It's not just Isaiah, it's also Malachi, but... He's quoting from the Old Testament. He goes, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Before we go on, notice a couple of things we're going to come back to. It's the gospel about Jesus Christ. And John is coming to say, prepare the way. And so this whole sermon today is on preparation, preparing our hearts. The season of Advent is a time of expectation. It's a time where we're preparing for the celebration of Christmas Day and at the same time preparing for the return of Christ, saying, even so, Lord Jesus, quickly come for his second Advent, preparing for the celebration of his first Advent, preparing our hearts for his second Advent, which we've looked at in recent days, and John is the predecessor who's coming to say, prepare the way of the Lord. Continuing on in verse 4, and so John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. 
I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with, uh, with the Holy Spirit. Skip down to verse 14. And it says, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into, the Gal- into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe what? The good news, the gospel. The good news. The same good news the angels are proclaiming. John is saying, get ready for. And Jesus comes into the desert proclaiming, repent and believe the good news. John's mission, so to speak, was one of preparation. Um, Dave and I, we were talking about this passage yesterday and uh, talking about who is this passage about? Is it about Jesus or is it about John? And there's some debate, but there is no doubt that what John is doing is coming to point the spotlight on Jesus. He's coming to say, get ready. Here he comes. Get ready. Now, if you had somebody, I, I, I don't know how you guys do it, but uh, when we have company coming to our house, we actually clean our house. Uh, I mean, not that it's a mess. My wife is mean on clean already, but it goes up a level uh, when company is coming over. You prepare your house for a guest that's coming. It used to be said that wherever the Queen of England went, all she ever smelled was fresh paint uh, because they painted everything. You get it? Hey, you get it? Thank you. Because wherever she went, they would paint it before she showed up. There's this preparation. Think how much more that the, the truth that God is coming to earth and is going to be given to us, fully God, fully man, we should be preparing. John is getting the people ready. Jesus comes, and the passage I skipped, he gets baptized, which... John's baptism is one of repentance. Did Jesus need to repent? No, he's, he's sinless. So why get baptized if you're Jesus? There's no repentance. I think from the start, Jesus is identifying with us who need to repent. And he's proclaiming from the day he starts his ministry and gets baptized that he's headed to the cross. He's taking the sins of all mankind on himself... He's headed to the cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection, what Jesus came, fully God and fully man, to die for our sins on the cross. He's resurrected from the dead, proclaiming and proving that he is indeed God. All of this is the gospel. It is the good news. And I want us to look at why that's good news today. Why it should be good news for every single one of one of us. So here are my points, which won't be on your screen, by the way, so you can just write them down, uh, take some notes, old-fashioned way. But the first point is this, and it seems kind of obvious, the gospel is good news. The gospel is good news. Back to Mark 1, verse, verse 1, it says, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ. It is It is good news. That's what the word gospel means, good news. So um, the word is actually euangelikon, which means proclamation of good news. We took it and 
reframed it. I think, Zach, you have that picture of Godspell. Do you remember the musical Godspell? That's what good news means. When I was in high school, Godspell, did y'all ever see Godspell? Prepare ye the way of the Lord. 70s. Yeah. Godspell. That's where they got it. They didn't just make up the term. Schwartz didn't just make up the term Godspell. It comes from the term good news, gospel. It's good news. It should be good news for us. To the Romans who Mark is writing to, he's writing to the, to the Rome. his audience is, is Roman. He wants to, to let them know about this good news that's coming. When um, Kathy and I got married, we were married a couple years, and she gave me a, uh, a, a precious moments figurine. I think I have a, figure, a picture of it. Just out of the blue, in December of 1989, she gave me this little figurine in a box. I opened it, and I, I, I'm really not a precious moments kind of guy. Uh, and I'm like, but we'd only been married like two years, so at this point, you're still... Like, everything's romantic, you know? Thank you, sweetheart. It's so sweet. I'm such an idiot that I didn't see that it said on it, names for baby. So this was her way of proclaiming to me the good news that we were going we to have a child. Um, and, of course, then I got real, you know, excited. And um, eight-plus months later, in August of 2000, Jared arrived. Let me just tell you, I got a whole collection of these things now. I've got like five of these precious moments figurines uh, because every time from there on out when Kathy was expecting, we'd, I'd get another. So now I'm, I'm a precious moments kind of guy. <laughs> that and I love my kids. Here's the idea that there is good news. There are days of good news that change your life forever. They totally alter the course of your life. There is no good news that compares to the coming of Jesus. There is no day that altered all of humanity's future than the good news that came when Jesus came. Which leads me to the second point, which is this. Not only is the gospel good news, the gospel is about Jesus. You know, there's one thing to have good news... But this is a specific kind of good news. Mark 1 says, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It's all about Jesus. You see, I'm going to make a bigger deal out of this in this point, And I'm going to hammer it just a little bit. Because we think that the gospel is a set of beliefs. We think the gospel is about stories. We think the gospel is about behavior on our part. We think the gospel is a number of things that the gospel is not. You see, the gospel is about Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Messiah, fully God, fully man, who comes to this earth. In Mark 1, verses 14 and 15, skipping down to verses 14 and 15... John is going to get in prison, and it says, after John was put in prison, 
Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. What does he mean by repent and believe the good news? He's not saying repent and believe these truths. He's, he's saying, here I am. I am the good news. I am the word made flesh who's made his dwelling among you, as John 1 is going to say. The gospel is about Jesus. Here are some critical points to the gospel. Let me, let me just go through them really, really f- quick that you know already. God, these are critical to our faith. God created man in his image. We were created by God like him. But we sinned, we rebelled. And I say we, you, you may say, well, I wasn't there in the garden. It was, it's not my fault. No, but we, we, we born in the, we're born in that first Adam. All of us have rebelled. All of us have sinned. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous, no, not one, according to Romans. All of us have rebelled. And the wages are a result of that rebellion is death. It's clear. The Bible, first to last, says... God created man, man sinned, we're all in that sin, and what we deserve because of that sin is death. So far, you're like, so far, not real good news. But here's the good news. Jesus Christ came, lived a perfect sinless life, went to the cross, took took, took what we deserved on himself. The penalty was paid by him. And as a result, we're back in relationship with the God who created us if we have faith in this Son of God. This is the gospel. This is the good news. It says in Colossians 1, verse 21 through 23, once you were alienated from God. Well, why? Well, he goes on and says, from God, and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior, because of your sin. You were alienated from God. Not only are you alienated from God, you were an enemy of God's. But now, he has reconciled you how? This is really important. By Christ's physical body, through death, to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusations. How do we get holy? How do we get free from the accusations of sin? The only way to do it is because of what Christ did on the cross. Through his physical body, he died so that we can become right with God. He goes on and says, If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This is the gospel. Jesus died so that we could be made right with God. This is the good news. There is no other good news. Now, before I move on, I, I, I just want to tell you some things that the gospel is not. Um, because if we're not careful we start to make this good news become something else. So uh, I had these points, but I'll go through them really quick. The first thing is the gospel is not about us. 
you could just turn to the person and say, the gospel's not about you. You know, it's not, you don't have to do that, but you could. It's not about me. We think the gospel is about us. We are so me-centered that we think, oh, the Bible is God's owner's manual for me. This is all about me and all this is. No, this is God's revelation of himself. This is about him. Now, it's about him to me, but it's really about him. The gospel is not about about us. Jesus and the cross and the resurrection are the centerpieces of the gospel, not Bart or you. Second is this. The gospel is not merely belief. Um, This gets a little bit tricky. We, in the what's called evangelical, which, by the way, comes is derivative of the word good news, we in the evangelical church say it's all about what's right here. I hear these stories. I believe these stories are true. Therefore, that's the gospel. That's what I... No, the gospel is not merely about belief. The gospel is about belief plus yourself. To receive the gospel, you have to... You have to receive in faith, meaning I'm going to change. So Jesus comes into the desert. John comes into the desert. Then Jesus goes into the desert after the temptation experience, which Mark doesn't even, he doesn't have time for. I don't have time to record the, but Jesus comes out of the wilderness and he starts preaching this, repent. What does repent indicate? Repent indicates metanoia, a change of mind, but it also indicates a change of direction. In other words, it's what is belief plus yourself. I was going this direction. Now, because of what Jesus has done in my life, I turn and go in the direction with him. You know, it's, it's really hard to get lost these days. I mean, I got so many pieces of technology in my car telling me what to do. It's, it's really hard to get lost. But there was a time, there was a time when it was not so hard. It was not so difficult to get lost. I'm, in my own head, really good with directions. You know, I think I'm really good with directions. Kathy, on the other hand, she's not here She's a wonderful woman in every single way, except she's awful with directions. She is terrible. This is the truth. If you ever want to have fun, get in an elevator with Kathy and just let the doors open and then just watch her. Watch what she does. Always bolts out of the elevator and turns right. Always. (laughs) Now, that makes her 50% correct, right? About half the time, she is correct. But it doesn't matter. It wouldn't matter. It doesn't, there, I've seen her turn out, bolt right, and there'd be a wall right there. She's like, who put that there kind of thing. Listen, we get, we get on the wrong path. And repentance is like saying, hey, you're going the wrong way. Now, you have a choice. Change direction, go the right way, or stay on the path that is going to lead you to destruction. So the gospel is not merely belief. It's about yourself. 
and God changing you. All right? Here's the other thing gospel is not. I just thought I'd throw this one out there. The gospel is actually not about cultural transformation. It is not about political transformation. Side benefits? Yes. But that's not its main mission, is to change the culture or the political climate of our day. The gospel is about God gathering a people to himself, a people after his own name, who has received this good news and come together as a new, a new culture, a new transformed people for the glory of, glory of God. Too often I hear uh, stories about, oh, we need to proclaim the gospel because we need to change society. It, that's, it's got a secret underlying untruth to it. We proclaim the gospel because man needs to be reconciled to God. People need to be redeemed. Will it change our society? Will it, I believe it does and has over two millennium. Hospitals, schools, all of these things have come out of the, the reaction to what the gospel does to us. But they are not the primary goal of the gospel. You can build hospitals and you can build great schools and people still spend eternity separated from God. They can be smarter. They can live longer. But the, but the goal is what? To proclaim the good news that Jesus has come. And that Jesus will transform their lives for all eternity. Also, here's the last thing on what the gospel is not. And don't get too excited because when I say last thing, I don't mean last thing. Period. I mean last thing under this point. The last thing that the gospel is not. It's not a get out of hell free card. It's not a get out of suffering free card. Like, oh, if I come to Jesus in the gospel, then I got this little card I don't have to suffer no more. Here it is. I got my get out of suffering free card. No, no. As a matter of fact, Jesus says, if you follow me, why do you think they're going to treat you any better than they treated me? Right? Think about that for a minute. They treated him badly. They're going to treat you the same. If we're proclaimers of the gospel in this world, you will have no trouble. No, no trouble right here. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have problems. So don't see it as like I get out of suffering. Good news is you don't have to go to hell, which I think is really good news. Uh, I'd rather go to heaven than hell. You? Yeah. I mean, I'd rather that, but that's not my goal. My goal is intimate relationship with God the Father this day and forever. Only through Jesus can that be provided. That is the good news. That is the gospel Paul, by the way, in Galatians, he lists a whole lot of things that the church in Galatia is struggling with. And he says to them, if somebody proclaims to you a different gospel, something different than about Jesus going to the cross and dying for the forgiveness of sins, the heart of the gospel, if somebody proclaims to you a different gospel, it's really no gospel at all. You can call something good news and it not be good news. Romans 1, Paul says, this is right at the beginning of Romans 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and sought apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand 
through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God. By his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Messiah, our Lord. That's the gospel. Now, go read Romans 1, 1 through 4 again, so that you get the nature of what the gospel is. The gospel is really, really, really good news, and the gospel is, at its heart, all about Jesus. Final point is this, that the gospel demands a response. You can't just hear about it and not do anything. Mark 1, verses 14 and 15, again, it's that part where Jesus, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent. Repent and believe the gospel. There is a response that is needed. Hearing the gospel is not enough. You have to do something with it. I love the book of Romans. I love the book of Mark. But book of Romans, um, Paul is telling the church in Rome all about who he is, what the gospel is, what it's not. And he gets to the fact that the gospel, it's about faith. You have to, in faith, receive the good news. And in this, he uses Abraham as the example of faith. And in Romans 4, verses 18 and following, it says, you know, Abraham gets promised to be the father of a great nation, right? He's how old? 40, some 40, we think, somewhere in that age. I mean, he's already kind of old to be a dad. Um, but then, 40 more years goes by, still no kids. He's in his 80s now. His wife Sarah's in her 70s. He's re-promised, you're going to be the father of a great nation. He's like, I don't know. Or did he? Paul says this about him in Romans 4. He says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Now, you, you read that and you're like, yeah, yeah. So Abraham just believed and Sarah got pregnant. It's awesome. No, no, no. I'm going to try and be delicate here. He believed, and he had sex with Sarah. Hello? I mean, some of you are just like, oh, he's just in his head. He just believed it, and Sarah got pregnant. Well, that's not the way biology works. Only one time has that happened, and that was Jesus, right? Where God moved. Every other time, something happened. Abraham's in his 80s, 90s. He believed, but he believed enough that he still had relations with his wife and therefore she conceived and had a child. You're saying, why are you making a big deal? Because believing is not enough. It is belief plus yourself. You have to put yourself into it. Now, this is the part of church that drives me crazy after 60-something years of being in church. People think, you know, all I have to do is, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. 
that they think it's all about what's happening up here. And I'm not diminishing what happens. I'm all for people in their heads believing and receiving. But at some point, we have to put ourselves into it. The gospel is, demands some sort of response from you. It can't just be held here. And, and that's why I think being a part of a local church, being a part of a body of Christ, being in faith with other believers is critical because they are the people who will influence your life. They're the ones who will help direct your steps. So we need a response. Romans 1, 16 and 17 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it's the power of salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. goes on and says, For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Belief plus yourself. Putting yourself into this situation. I, I don't know what you've heard me say this morning. Uh, what I hope that the Spirit of God will take and put into you right now is this. Believe the gospel. The gospel is good news. This gospel, it's about Jesus. And you can't go from this place without responding to it in some way. You either respond by turning away from it and walking your own way, or you respond to it by saying, I, I want to follow Jesus. I want him to. It, it, it is time, I think, I, I'll do this sermon again in a couple of weeks where I do this wake-up call sermon. I do it at the beginning of every year. But I think it's time really, again, for many of us to wake up and to see what is around us. We have, we have no idea. When I was in college... <clears throat> I've told these old stories before, but some of you are new and you haven't seen some of these pictures. Um, I was in this singing group called the Bison Glee Club. Now, you may not think so. I, there's a picture I think of me. Um, I'm younger than any of my children who are with me right now in this picture. Uh, I think I'm 19 or 20 years old. Uh, that's my roommate, Bob Searle. He's also the pastor of a church somewhere. I think he's in Oklahoma. Anyway, we went all over the country singing this Bison Glee Club. Uh, we, I, I told you I was a big deal. Uh, and it, it was a big deal. So we traveled everywhere. We traveled everywhere and sang in those tuxes, those baby blue tuxes. I pray to God they've changed them uh, well at, since then. Also, uh, my boys come by those beards, honestly, as you can tell. Mine uh, was actually brown back then. Anyway, um, we went all over the country, and I used to make fun of our singing group because we'd go to some of the greatest cities in the world, and all we ever saw was the shopping mall in that area. You know, when we had free time to kill, rather than going like the capital of the United States of America, we'd go to a mall in Fairfax, Virginia. Uh, it drove me crazy because I first of all I hate malls and second we're in all these great locations one time we sang in Sedona Arizona and this is this is true I pitched such a holy fit that we were within an hour to an hour and a half 
of the Grand Canyon and that we weren't going to see it. So the director of the, the uh, Glee Club, uh, who was actually my landlord um, and a good friend, he, he said, well, what do you want us to do? We have to be on the road by 10 a.m. We have to, to get to the next concert. We, I said, how about this? How about if the bus driver takes us out there in the middle of the night and we watch the sunrise on the Grand Canyon? And then as soon as it's risen, we'll all get in the bus and then we'll leave. I made everybody in the singing group mad with me because he said, I think that sounds like a great idea. So we go out before sunrise and we're just sitting there. And in the dark, you're like, this is, I don't know why I pitched a fit. This is really not that big a deal. You know, because in the dark, you can't see anything. And if you've ever seen the sunrise at the Grand Canyon, the sun actually, um, it, it, it's remarkable how it hits the top. And then as the sun rises, it goes down the canyon. So with every minute, it's just more of a revelation. I think I have a picture. I don't have a picture. Uh, I did have a picture on my computer, but it's glorious. And a picture won't do it justice. But it's like this revelation of magnificence. To me, this is a picture of the gospel. You know, we get a glimpse but then the more we gaze at what Christ has done, the more we see the magnificence of his glory over and over again. And you can't gaze on this glory, this good news, without forever being transformed. For me, sitting there that morning, there was a transformation for me just witnessing the sunrise on the Grand Canyon. How much greater this good news of Jesus that transforms our lives forever if we'll but receive this good news about Jesus and we'll walk in the transforming power of it. Mark 13 says this. This is the end of Mark. says, this gospel must first be preached to all the nations. Mark's going to go on and talk about how this gospel you receive it, you walk in it, and you proclaim it. And we'll look at the proclamation of the gospel in the days ahead. Second Timothy, I'm going to close with this passage and then I'm going to pray for us, says this. Remember, Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David, this is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal, but God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the church, the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is our gospel that Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, came to this earth, lived a perfect sinless life, died for our wrongdoing. God testified this was true by raising him from the dead. And we too can be raised from death and sin to life in God if we believe and walk in this good news. Lord, I thank you that the gospel is indeed good news. We thank you, Lord, for who you are and what you're doing in our lives. Lord, I want to pray that this morning, if there's anyone here who, who hasn't actually walked this out, who hasn't walked out, this truth 
about who Jesus is. They, they may have believed the stories, like, oh, yeah, um, this baby was born in a manger to a mother who wasn't married to the guy she was with, and some good people killed him. I mean, some bad people killed him because they were jealous of him. And, but they've never received this good news of Jesus, fully God and fully man, dying for their sins. They haven't changed direction and begun to walk with you. I pray that this will be the day of salvation for them. For those of us who have received the good news, but kind of it's lost its luster for us. Bring us back to this glorious message. God, we thank you. We praise you. We walk in you today. In Jesus' name. Stand up with me if you would. And we're going to sing. We're going to worship about this gospel before we close. Just let the Spirit of God move in your heart and life as we look at this good news once again.